0: We want to get into the word and again we're continuing this series in the heart of Christ and this this one in particular is going to be about Christ as our advocate. And we want to look at this today. It's uh, I think you will you will find it I found it and I always do. This is one of the reasons why I like to preach cuz I learn more. Uh, cause I do so much, uh, looking into it. But I want to read a passage of scripture and, uh, and then share something else with you before we pray. But the passage of scripture we're going to look at is 1 John chapter 2, verses 1 and 2. And I'll read that first. And then we'll look at another passage of scripture that won't be projected, uh, just a brief passage to kind of whet our appetite for what we're going to look at. But 1 John, Chapter 2, verses 1 and 2. My little children, this is John talking, so, so pastoral here. My little children, I am writing these things to you so that you may not sin. But if anyone does sin, we have an advocate with the Father, Jesus Christ, the righteous. He is the propitiation for our sins, and not for ours, but also for the saints of the whole world. Sins of the whole world, excuse me. Saints too. Now, I want to look at, uh, before I start and before we pray, Psalm 119, verse 130. It's an interesting verse, and we were talking about this at home, and I thought I'd share this with you before, before we prayed. It says, the unfolding of your words give light. It imparts understanding to the simple. There's no one more simple here this morning than me. Okay? The unfolding of your words gives light. Unfolding here means it's like opening a present. Okay? It's kind of opening something up. It's it's entering into an entrance. We're opening a door. That's what it means. And the light here means it's, it's like daylight. It becomes very bright and sunny. I was wondering what that bright thing was this morning in the sky. It's that sunlight that shines and you can see clearly and everything is bright and fresh and it looks good. That's what we want to do when we look into the word today. We want to unfold something. And have light shown upon it so we have a greater understanding on it. So let's pray before we begin. So Father, thank you for your word. Lord, there are so many, uh, there's so many things here about who you are, about your character, about your work, about the life you lived, and about how it affects your people. So, Lord, as we look at your word, we pray that you will unfold it for us this morning, that light will come upon it, and that we would be able to see clearly in a much clearer way, Lord, and that you would help us to enjoy the fact that you are our advocate. So give us understanding as we look at the different aspects of it, and we are grateful to you, Lord, in Jesus' name. Amen. Now, my main point this morning, which I changed because I started to sound like John Owen when I made my first main point. My main point this morning is, in looking at the heart of Christ and seeing our own heart, we can more fully see the need for an advocate. So, in looking at the heart of Christ and then seeing our own heart, we can more fully see the need for an advocate. So my first point this morning is, Christ our Advocate is our great representative. Christ our Advocate is our great representative. Now, out in the world today, there are many different types of advocates, and advocates are representatives for a particular thing. I think, Abby, you, when you were studying, you were looking at being a music advocate. You, you wanted to promote music. You promote these things, and she, she is a music advocate. But uh, you promote these things, and you, you stand up for these things. If someone fights for a cause, they're an advocate. He or she is an advocate for that particular thing. They're the one who stands up on behalf of either a person or a cause. They can be environmental advocates. We've seen plenty of those dealing with pollution and ocean studies, and they stand up on behalf of the environment. They stand up on behalf of our planet or the ocean. There are medical advocates, which are extremely important. And when we do messages, I think there's times for us to be educated as well. There are medical advocates out there that when you are dealing with hospitals and insurance companies, there are people that will actually help you, which is a incredible incredible thing. So I highly recommend, this isn't the only lesson I want you to take home today, but there are medical advocates and I wish I would have understood that a long time ago when the healthcare industry tangled this web of nasty all around us. But anyway, there are people out there. An advocate is also there to bring comfort and assurance along the way. They're supposed to help you, to bring you to that place. Now, the most prominent advocate in the world today is yourself, which is too bad because that's not the way it should be. But the pro- most prominent advocate along the way is ourself, D- Dane Wortland, in his book, Gentle and Lowly. Um, he said, fallen humans are natural self-advocates. They're just natural self-advocates. It just kind of flows out from us. We're always promoting ourselves. We're self-exonerating. We're self-defending. He says that we don't need to teach young children how to make excuses. They, When they're caught misbehaving, they just kind of... Get it. You know, they just kind of move along. It's a natural built-in mechanism that immediately kicks into gear to explain why it wasn't really their fault. That's, that's what people do. Our fallen hearts naturally manufacture reasons why we're not bad. We're not that bad. That's what we say. The confirmation is that we are sinners. The the confirmation is that when we come to the point when what our response to sin is. That's the way I want to say it. What is our response to sin? That's the confirmation of whether we're sinners or not. It's just as bad as the sin itself, usually. What happens is we have these basic excuses that we come. So you do something wrong. What do you do? You lie about it. Okay. It's a very basic. Basic uh, example there. But we brush it off. We cover it up. You shift the blame. Similar to what Adam and Eve did in the garden. It's the very basic sin that we do. When we try to cover up other sin. Because we try to be our own advocate. We try to make people look and promote ourselves in a much greater way. What we need to see in light of who God is, that our own defense isn't enough. We cannot defend ourselves before God. We cannot defend ourselves in everyday life. We need an advocate. We need to have someone who will stand up for us. Now, people that want to uh, defend themselves in court... Do you know immigration courts? Where immigration cases where people say, I will be my own defense. I will be my own lawyer. I will defend myself. There's only a 10% success rate for those people that try to defend themselves. If they get a lawyer, and this is immigration court... It's 60% success rate because they have someone that's fighting for them. They're not trying to do it themselves. It's something that they need. So lawyers are good examples of what an advocate is. Lawyers are, as much, much as sometimes we make fun of lawyers and sometimes don't like lawyers or whatever, and I'm not talking about ambulance chasers. I'm talking about good lawyers. And if you have a good lawyer, it's an amazing thing not a lawyer that's just in it for the money, not a lawyer that's just trying to make more money from your tripping at the store or something along that line, somebody that's coming to help you process whatever that need is. He's standing up on your behalf to defend you, to set things in order, to lead you through a legal process. But what if the lawyer doesn't show up? What happens when the lawyer doesn't show up. Well, they'll they'll recess the case, possibly. You'll lose the case, possibly. Uh, They might reschedule, or you may be subject to whatever the judge decides is going to happen to you if your lawyer doesn't show up, all because no one was there to represent you. To speak for you, to guide you through this whole process, to bring things to a good conclusion. In scripture here, we have an opportunity to get some clarity regarding a true advocate. What scripture itself says about it is how it affects us as Christians. What an advocate does for the Christian. Advocate defined and the word here is parakletos. And, and if you're familiar with Greek, parakletos or the paraclete is also used to describe the Holy Spirit as well. The helper. The helper. But it also means called to one's side or called to one's aid. That's what it means. One who pleads another case Before a judge. In a broader sense, it's the same word that's used for the Holy Spirit. So Jesus being our advocate is one who comes to our side. He's one that comes to our side. He's on our side. He's for our aid. He pleads our case. And he comforts us. And he helps us. So who is Jesus the advocate for? Well, John says, if anyone does sin... Well, I'm, I'm a, that's me, if anyone does sin. Now, this is why it's important, and, you know, and, and this is another message for another day, but it's important to confess our sins because we're forgiven our sins. And when we confess our sins, Jesus is our advocate and he stands before God on our behalf. And that's why we are forgiven. When we sin, when we're lying in bed at night, what are the thoughts that come into our minds? Do sins come to your mind? Are you accused of anything? Is there struggles that happen? Or when you first wake up in the morning and you're thinking, I'm starting a new day, and all of a sudden, all the bad things that happen, maybe that you said or did, just come into your mind? We have an advocate. The accuser, Satan wants to accuse us, but we have an advocate who's someone who is for us. This applies to you and to me. If you aren't a believer in Christ, I know that some there are times of people that do not know the Lord, there's a moral compass in them to a degree when all of a sudden they'll be going along and they'll realize, "Mm, I shouldn't have done that. There's just something in them that says, I shouldn't have done that. You may not be able to explain it, but it's there. That's the grace of God in your life, common grace of God in your life, telling you really subtly that you need an advocate. You need an advocate for your life. There's an advocate available to you and for us. I'm not going to use the term retainer. He's not a retainer because you have have to pay a retainer. Jesus paid the price. We don't pay anything. That's the amazing thing about it. He did it all. He's here for us. You see, spiritually, when we have someone on our side, he represents us before God. When troubles come, when sin happens, if we sin, I could almost say when we sin, we have an advocate who stands there for us, who stands there with us. That's a comfort. That's a comfort to me. Then forgiveness begins to take place, restoration begins to take place, relationship takes place. There's an assurance that things are going to work out all right. When we come to our relationship between man and God, there's always something that's going on, and we and sometimes we don't know what to do with it. And we're emotional beings, and we tend to get emotional about it, and we don't know how to fully walk through. what we're walking through, we have an advocate. We have an advocate. And it frees us from worry when we realize this. It frees us from self-advocating, from defending ourselves from things that really we are guilty of. It frees us from judgment. It frees us from the law. Which is an amazing thing to me. You see, if we live in a legalistic, and I, you know, I brought up legalism in the last message. The reason why I bring up legalism is it was brought up a lot by Jesus. It was brought up a lot by Paul. Legalism is an undertowing thing that can, that can easily, we can easily get caught up in. But you see, if we, if we live in a legalistic view of Christianity, we don't have the sense that everything is alright. We don't have that confidence. There's always something that we have to do, someone we have to please, someone we have to appease. Legalists tend to have to prove to themselves that they're doing the right things in order to find any kind of sense of peace. And, you know, sometimes we do convince ourselves we've done good. You know, sometimes we do. But our goal isn't to convince ourselves That's not the goal. Sometimes we convince the world that we really have our act together. But the goal isn't to convince the world. You know, sometimes we can even fool our fellow believers. We can fool the church. We can say, make them believe that we more, we're more than we really are. We have spiritual experiences. We have more bible memorized in our heads we're very bible literate we're more holy in our actions maybe we serve unceasingly we we get them to believe that we're more worldly wise but innocent we deceive ourselves really you know romans 12:3 it says for by the grace given to me i say to everyone among uh, everyone among you Not to think of himself more highly than he is. Take the humble route. Think with sober judgment, he says. It's not our goal to fool fellow believers. It's not our goal to fool the church. That's not what we're supposed to do. Comes down to this. You cannot fool God. You never will fool God. You cannot live in a legalistic lifestyle and satisfy God. That's just not how it works, or any lifestyle for that matter. All have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. We cannot stand before God on our own merit and be justified. An advocate is a person who comes to our aid or pleads our case to a judge. They offer support, strength, and counsel, and intercede for us when necessary. The Bible says that Jesus is that advocate for those of you that have put your trust in him. When we stand just before God, it's because we have an advocate. He is able to do it. We cannot. That's what an advocate does. That's what Jesus does. That's his heart. He's our great representative. He represents us before God. My second point is Christ, our advocate. And this is another slant to what the word advocate means. It also has to do with being a navigator. So Christ, our advocate, is also our navigator. He navigates our relationship with God, but he also navigates our way through life. He helps us to do that as well. So if we're going to really admit it and come right down to it, as far as how much we know and how much we do to prepare and how highly educated we are, we we really don't know everything. Maybe that's the best way to put it. We really don't know everything. And as much as we pray and we listen to messages and we need to be doing that and we need to be learning and we need to be doing it, but we need to realize we can't do it all and we need help. Jesus being our advocate is also our navigator. It's a different aspect of it, but Jesus is our navigator. You see, God has given us a life to live, a life to walk down, a life to enjoy, a life to glorify him, a life to share with others. We need help to do that as a navigator. Jesus does that. I don't think Jesus just navigates us just to our relationship to God, that which is big in its own. It's huge. It's the most important. But He also helps us go through life. He helps us dealing with sin. He helps us fulfill His purpose. He helps us do whatever it is that you can think of. Any dreams that you have, any desires that you have, in the will of the Lord to fulfill, he will help you in that process. He helps us along the way through the Holy Spirit to navigate through life. Now, a navigator defined is a person who directs the route or course of a ship or an aircraft or any other form of transportation, like walking. Walking would be another way. Uh, it's interesting, you know, ships used to use... Sextants to navigate way, 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 way back. They used to use Sextants to navigate, which was an instrument that had about a 60-degree angle, graduated angle that You'd be able to point it at the horizon and point it at stars or sun or moon, and you would find out where you were floating in the ocean. That was the purpose of that. And the navigator was the guy that was in charge of making sure he knew where you were. That's the point of the navigator. Now, way back in the olden days, way, way back before GPS, we had another thing. It was called a wife. And our wife, that was the navigator, okay? And they used to have these big books. And these books had all these lines in them. And it was very strange because they'd open the book and you'd see these lines and you'd try to figure out where you were. And they were called maps, and we take these maps and your wife would sit in the shotgun seat and she would have these maps open and she would tell you where you were supposed to be going, guiding you to a location where no man has gone before. And it was a very dangerous job because the driver was always telling the navigator that she was wrong. Okay, That's how it worked. But we have GPS now. So now we yell at the GPS and we blame the GPS. You can't question the navigator. They're the ones that set the course. Jesus is our navigator. Don't question where he's leading you, where he's guiding you. Now, you see, it's not God's desire for us to wander aimlessly. We think we know where we're going, what we're supposed to do what I want to be when I grow up. But we're prone to wander. We theorize about life. We guess on what direction it is instead of getting the help we need. So as Jesus is our navigator to God, he is also our navigator through life to experience God's will, his plan, and walk it out with him. And it's not just something to think about. It's not a concept just to theorize about who God is. Oh, yeah, he does it this way. and But it's actually living it out. We're supposed to live it out with him. Spurgeon said, grace in a book is one thing. Grace in the heart is another. You know, we can think about these things and we can try to grasp them mentally. But if it's our part of our heart and we're experiencing it, it's much more illustration. Cake recipe. You can take a cake recipe and you can open up your little cake recipe and read it and say, boy, that was very satisfying. Or you can bake it and you can bake the cake. It was, it was my stepfather's 95th birthday was this week on the 14th. And so we did a Zoom call with my brothers and their wives and families and my cousin. And so we thought it would be a good idea to bake a cake So Roxanne made a cake and we put in 12 candles because we didn't want to have the fire department come. And uh, we presented this cake virtually to him. I don't think it was as satisfying. Because I, as soon as we lit the candles, we sang happy birthday, Roxanne, Abby and I blew them out. I began to eat the cake and it was very good. And very luscious, but he just kind of sat there on the other end going, hi. Are we enjoying what God has given us? Are we living out what the word says? Enjoying the fullness of Christ being our advocate, being our navigator. Or is it just a concept that we read about? So think on this. How is Jesus your navigator? Is he one who points you in the right direction? Is he one that's helping you how to avoid sin? Does he know where you're going or do you know where he's leading you and walks along with you? He's one who's for you, one who's comforting you and helping you and guiding you through those tricky spots of life. Helping you through the storms and brings us to your destination. And one day presents and represents us before the Father. One day he will do that. Jesus is our great representative and he is our great navigator. But you know what? He's something else too that we can see in this verse. And that's point three. Christ, our advocate, is our great peacemaker. He is our great peacemaker. Now here's a... that's. A, Here's a word in the Bible that we don't use very often. I mean, we use words like hallelujah and Emmanuel and things like that. But not a lot of us use propitiation. That's not a word that we hear much, except in church. But it's important to understand what the word propitiation means. And it's it's sort of the icing on the theological cake to me. If you want to get back to a cake illustration. It's sort of that that. Really good, tasty part. So when John says in our passage, my little children, I am writing these things to you so that you may not sin, but if anyone does sin, we have an advocate with the Father, Jesus Christ the righteous. Then John says this in verse two, he is the propitiation for our sins and not for ours only, but uh, for the sins of the whole world. This word propitiation brings a whole, our relationship with God to a different level. When we understand this, it helps us to see something very important about the character of God, the character of Christ, and the relationship that we have with them. Propitiation is the act of agreeing to the demands of a just God to turn away punishment. That's what propitiation means. To turn away punishment or wrath or judgment. Jesus agreed to fulfill the demands of God. The demands for sacrifice for sin, Jesus stepped up to the plate for that. He was the perfect sacrifice, the sacrifice that was from the heart of God out of love for his creation, Jesus gave his life for us. Jesus became the object of God's judgment because of that, the propitiation. The wrath of God had to be pointed somewhere, and it was pointed to Jesus. He took our punishment. You see, what Jesus did fulfilled the need for judgment. God could have wiped out the earth long ago if he wanted to and been perfectly just in doing that. But he so loved the world. He had a heart for his creation. He loved so much that he gave his son to become punishment for us. You know, a judge could say to someone, you know, if you're willing to pay this person's debt, I'll let him go free. Well, that's basically what Jesus did. Jesus paid the punishment so that we could be forgiven. So if you come to Jesus at some point in your life, if you accept Jesus as your savior, when it comes your time to die, because of what Jesus did for you, he paid your penalty, the wrath of God is averted. It's fascinating when you think about it. The wrath of God is averted. You have peace with God. Romans 5.1, it says, Therefore, since we have been justified by faith, we have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ. Peace defined here is the state of tranquility. We experience tranquility, exemption from rage, peace between individuals, harmony, security, safety. That's what peace means here. The tra- tranquil state. Of a soul assured of its salvation. Jesus is the peacemaker. Now why is this important? And this is, we forget this too often. Because the wrath of God, the judgment of God is still alive and well. We, we have so often forgotten that. We think that Jesus died, therefore God erased his wrath. He set it aside. It will never happen. And that's where you get universalism eventually. Because they feel that Jesus paid the price and nothing else happens. No, God is a just God. He still had to be himself. So he had to arrange something to be able to do that. And that's why Jesus came. It's, it's going to be released at some point in time. It's required. It's inevitable. It's justice. There is going to be a day of judgment but the wrath can be averted. It can be turned away. The Christian has peace with God. We regain favor with God through Jesus. And this is why we share the gospel. (laughs) That's why it's so important to share the gospel. This is the heart of Christianity, the heart of faith, the heart of the believer, the heart of Christ. That's why we do it. That's why it's important. An advocate stands with you in court, when the prosecutor is accusing you of something. I want to read uh, Romans chapter 8, verses 33 and 34. It says, Who shall bring any charge against God's elect? It is God who justifies. Who is good to condemn? Christ Jesus is the one who died, more, more than that, who was raised, who's at the right hand of God, who indeed is interceding for us. Jesus is constantly interceding for us. He's our advocate. He's speaking up for us. So who's accusing you? Is Satan accusing you? You have an advocate. Jesus the righteous, it says. Are people around you accusing you? You have an advocate, Jesus the righteous. Are your past sins accusing you? You have an advocate, Jesus the righteous. Is your legalism just piling upon you more and more? You're the condemnation because you can't fulfill what you feel you're supposed to do? No, you have an advocate, Jesus the righteous. It's time to know about Jesus as our advocate. He's our representative. He's our navigator. He's our peacemaker. To know him personally. We're still limited by our understanding, but Jesus has full understanding. We can still be unsure of our direction, but Jesus knows where we're going. He's the way, the truth, the life, and no one comes to the Father except through him. He is what the Bible says he is, and what we need to do is trust in him, our Lord, our Savior, and our advocate. Jesus is the one for me. I hope he's the one for you. You can't escape God's judgment on your own. Jesus is the one who navigates through our relationship with God. He navigates through all the intricacies of life. And you know what makes him a great advocate? It's because he lived it. You know what makes him a great advocate? Because he knows it. You know what makes him even a greater advocate? Because he knows you. And he knows how to take care of it. He understands. Let's pray. So Father, thank you. We thank you, Lord, for how you have in so many ways, fulfilled all of the requirements, all of the legal aspects of our relationship with God so that your judgment can be averted from us. It causes us to, to, to realize how grateful we should be. The need to come to you with humble hearts, with thankful hearts, knowing that without you, we are just an object of God's wrath. So, Lord, we thank you for this time. And we ask, Lord, that you'll continue to give us greater understanding on the heart of Christ. In Jesus' name, amen.